Amen, amen. The message of that song is perfect. Well, what we want to get out of the Word of God whenever we share it together on Sunday mornings on the Lord's Day. I'm really enjoying uh, the Ten Commandments. How many of you are enjoying studying the Ten Commandments? Come on now, give me some affirmation. Give me some amen. Give me a raised hand. I'm telling you, I'm really, really enjoying. This is the second time in my uh, in my, my years as a senior pastor preaching through the Ten Commandments, I'm enjoying it more this time uh, than I did last time. These Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, they are foundational principles for what God expects of us morally. And some of them are foundational principles of what God does not want to see in our life. So today we're going to look at the Ninth Commandment. We only have one more left. We're going to finish up next week. Uh, next week we're actually going to uh, kind of have a little recap of all the Ten Commandments. And we're also going to partake of the Lord's Supper together uh, next week. And so you can be praying about that and preparing your heart. But we're going to look at the Ninth Commandment today, one that you could probably quote by heart. And what we're going to see today is that our God is a God of truth. Amen? All right, how many of you brought your Bibles? How many of you got it with you? Hold it up. Hold it up. Let me see. Man, I love to, I love to see some leather out there. I know that some of you are holding up your cell phones. That's fine, too. But I like to see some leather or some imitation leather, as it may be, uh, for, for those of you out there. We're going to look at today how God is a God of truth and how He doesn't want lies in our life. Lies, lies do us no good. We know that what God says, the way that God says it, the tone that God uses when He says it, is always true, it's always perfect, it's always pure. The motivation behind why God says what He says is always as it needs to be, and the emotions that God may have when he has said something or when he does say something is always appropriate and always as needed. God has called you and I to be like him. God has called you and I to be people that whenever we speak, we speak truth, and that whenever we speak, we also are gracious in what we say. And that's why the title of my sermon today is called Truth, Truthful and Gracious Speech. I almost titled it differently. and I, I, the, my, the, my alternate title would have been perfectly appropriate as well. God wants us to talk like Jesus. I mean, after all, we're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to live like Jesus. We're supposed to think the thoughts of Christ. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ. We're supposed to have a heart like Jesus. It makes sense that it's not just the things that we, that we do that are supposed to reflect Christ. It's also supposed to be the way that we talk. If, if you look at some of the conversations that Jesus had with people in the Gospels. Right now, I'm going through the Gospel of Luke in my quiet time. If you study some of the ways that Jesus talked to people, some of the interactions that he had with them, that look at the things that he said. Um, his speech was also always truthful. It was always gracious. I mean, think about the impact that Jesus had. It was, it was in large measure 
because of the things that he said. This is why those, in, those, in those Bibles that I had you hold up a minute ago, if you were looking Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, you'll see that the things that Jesus said were so important, and Jesus was a channel of grace and truth because of what he said. So the Bible tells us a lot about how we should do this. The Bible tells us a lot about how we should talk like Jesus and about how we should have truthful and how we should have gracious speech. But the foundational principle that we're going to look at today is what God does not want in our life. Now, if, before you look, before you look, if you were to quote the ninth commandment, most of you probably would say, thou shalt not... Well, y'all did better than me. Um, I, I, when I quote the ninth commandment, usually it is, thou shalt not lie. It's actually framed a little bit different. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, tells us what we should not do with our speech. It says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, in my mind, that is, thou shalt not lie. But I think the way that the Word of God has it, uh, has it, has it phrased here, and in most all translations, most all modern translations, it says, uh, don't bear false witness. I think this is important that we look at it this way, because this tells us what we should not do with our speech. Now, what we're going to get to in the second half of this message, or really the main part of this message, is we're going to talk about how we have gracious speech and how we have truthful speech and how we're to talk like Jesus talks. But first, let's look at what we should not do. We should not bear false witness. This is the foundational principle. And so what is, that? what is a false witness? A false witness is simply a person who says something false and malicious about another person. That's a pretty simple definition. A person who says something false or malicious about another person. There are a lot of legal and societal and relational benefits for not doing this. Uh, I, I think the first thing that comes to my mind, for those of you uh, who, are, who are lawyers in the room, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, is, is the, the, the legal application of this commandment. The sworn testimony. All right, how many of you have gone into a courtroom and had to give sworn testimony? You know, put your, put your hand on the Bible, raise your right hand, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. I don't know if that's exactly how every courtroom does it, but I mean, you've all seen the, the TV shows where you take an oath, you take a sworn oath. And when you do this in a courtroom, if you say something that's not true, it's, a, it's actually a felony, it's a crime, and it's called perjury. Um, so there's, there's, there's an obvious legal uh, application we can have for this, but there's some societal applications that we have, like false advertising. It is actually it is not legal to uh, give false information about a product that you're selling. Now, the curious thing about this is I'm not sure how some of these advertisers get past some of these laws because, man, when I see that commercial about that taco, it has so much meat in it. But yet, whenever I show up to the store, it seems to be filled with nothing but lettuce and tomato. And I'm like, where is the meat? That's got to be some kind of of false advertising. I suppose that not bearing false witness has 
multiple relational type of application beyond the societal and the legal. Um, I mean, after all, no one, no one wants to be friends with a liar. Uh, if there's no trust, then obviously there's no relationship. And while we might be able to apply the ninth commandment to our legal code or the way our society works or the way our relationship works, for us as the people of God, there is an obvious spiritual application. And it's really related to what Jesus said in the Gospels. He said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, he said, was like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't think it's any coincidence that in the Word of God, in Exodus chapter 20, it says don't bear false witness against your neighbor. I mean, there's no way that we can love our neighbor and fulfill the obligations, the spiritual obligations that we have from the New Testament to love our neighbor if, if we're saying false things about our, our neighbor. We can't say damaging and untruthful words to others or about others and fulfill the spiritual obligations that God has given to us. So there's really two primary ways that we can look at today that, 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 that we violate this command. And they're, they're pretty simple and they're really all the same. It really just has to do with lying. And that's why in my mind, when I hear the ninth commandment, I hear thou shalt not lie, because that's basically what a false, a lying witness is. And here's the two primary ways that we see this kind of fleshed out. Number one is speaking intentional lies about others. Intentional lies about others. In other words, you're, you're, you're saying a lie and you know it's a lie. Um, there's, that's an obvious violation of this command. But the other is spreading gossip and slander about others. And many times we don't believe that we're lying about others. We don't see what we're saying about others as lies. Um, although most of the time gossip is an absolute lie. And actually that's what slander is. Slander is intentionally spreading a lie that is damaging to other people. So first, the whole idea about lying we know that lies, they're a verbal assault on another person. Uh, when I was growing up, as a kid, we used to always say something a lot uh, to other kids. And you, you may be able to finish this for me, okay? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words... Okay, that is one of the biggest lies <laughs> imaginable. The, the right way to say that are sticks and stones may break my bones, but words have the power to destroy me. Words can absolutely destroy. We see this in the Word of God in James chapter 3, verse 6. It, uh, and this is a perfect picture of gaslighting. The way that the tongue, just uh, the words that we speak, it just sets the world on fire. Our words have great power to damage. And when we speak lying words, it's even more damaging to, to us, but also to the people that we might be lying about. God hates lies. God hates lies. The word hate is associated with God. There are certain things that God hates. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, it says there's six things uh, that the Lord hates uh, that are abomination to him. And it says the Lord hates a lying tongue. 
God does not love lies. God hates lies. And then also a false witness who breathes out lies. God hates lies. He hears everything and he hates lies. But there's someone else that does love lies. Satan loves lies. Satan loves to hear lies. He loves when lies are spread. He doesn't care if it's through gossip or slander or intentional lies. He wants to tell you lies. He wants you to believe lies. And he wants you to live your life in, uh, according to lies. Uh, in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus was talking to the religious leaders, and he basically called Satan the father of lies. And this is, if you think about it, this is really the only tool that Satan has. How many of you have had a demon manifest itself, hold a gun to your head, and force you to sin? That's not how it works. Satan doesn't appear and drag you, kicking and screaming, forcing you to do something that goes against God. What Satan does is he lies to you. He gets you to believe a lie so that you do it willingly. This is really the only weapon that Satan has is lies. And that's why, as the people of God, we want to stay away from them. One of the greatest vehicles that Satan has for spreading lies is through gossip and through slander. Gossip and slander is a way that we destroy or murder someone's reputation by spreading someone that, uh, something that we may even think is true about someone, uh, but it's false and it's damaging to them. So here's a, here's a definition. Now, we could split hairs and say there's a difference between gossip and slander. We could say, well, maybe gossip has a, uh, has a ring of truth to it, um, but yet it's still damaging. And slander is an outright lie that is spread. But I, I really see them both kind of combined. And here's a couple of definitions of what gossip and slander would be. I think we all know what it is. I, I don't even really, I'm not even really sure where I got these, uh, these definitions from. But the Greek word, the Greek word in the New Testament for gossip is a whisper, a whisper, a secret slanderer. Y'all know, y'all, y'all, heard the, the whisper. Hey, that person. We all know what a whisper is. In Proverbs chapter twenty-six, verse twenty-two, talks about this. It says the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. What is it about what is it about gossip and slander that just that just makes you think, "Oh, I just want to hear it." It's just like a, a like a morsel. Um, I had a, a a guy one time that I knew that said, "If you don't have anything good to say, come sit next to me." And of course, he was being sarcastic, but that's what gossip does, that whispering. It's like it draws you in. You just want to hear it. But the Bible says that it goes down into the inner parts of, uh, of the body. The interesting thing about gossip and slander in the New Testament, um, the New Testament gives us lists of sins. There are various lists that we can look at, and the Apostle Paul lists several of them. Jesus has several lists of sins. And I find it interesting that gossip and slander is listed right next to idolatry 
and homosexuality and sexual immorality and sorcery and all of the things, uh, many of the things that as the people of God we would say these things are just way, way evil. Uh, the Word of God puts gossip and slander right in the midst um, of that list. And it's true that most of us don't see gossip as lies, but really here's the test. Here's the test. Is the person that you're talking about who's not in your presence, the person that you're talking about, if they were in the conversation, would they agree with what with the truth of what you're saying? And most of the time, most of the time they wouldn't. Most of the time they would say, no, wait just a minute. You're you're mixing the truth with falsehood. Or you're taking something that is true and you're twisting it and saying it in a way that makes me look bad and that is damaging to me. And that's, that's typically uh, what we see with gossip. And look, if, if you want to see what slander and what gossip looks like, just wait for the next election cycle. I mean, that's really just how it works. You pull a few facts about the candidate that you're trying to defeat and you do everything you can to make them look bad. You write ads, you do radio ads, you do television ads, you give them a derogatory nickname, you do everything that you can to defame them so that uh, you can look like the better choice. We see it all the time. Well, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Okay, so I think we can all agree we shouldn't lie. I think we can all agree that we should not slander, that we should not gossip. I think, I think that we can all say, hey, those are not things that I want done to me, and so I shouldn't do them to others. So that's the negative part. That's the, that's the part that we don't want in our life. But what is the godly part that we want to fill our lives with? That's, that's really where we want to end up. It's not enough, and I've said this with several of the commandments, it's not enough just to not do the things that we're not supposed to do. We want to be filled with who Christ is. We want to be filled with all the godliness and the full measure of what the Lord has for us. And so the way that we do that is we look to Jesus and we say, well, I want to talk, I want to talk like Jesus. I want to be truthful and I want to be gracious in the way that I talk to others, the way that I talk about others. And so that's what we see in a couple of passages I'll share with you. John chapter 1, verse 17. We want to talk like Jesus by using truthful and by using gracious speech. John chapter 1, verse 17 says the law was given through Moses, but it says there's, there's something else that came through Jesus. Something that is more special. Something that we really need, that our soul really desires. And that is grace and truth. Now there's several things that we can say about grace and truth. We could say grace and truth came through Christ because of the gospel message and because of his sacrifice and what he did. Uh, we could talk about the wholeness of what God or what God accomplished in Christ, and we could say grace and truth came through Christ. But we also, we also would have to say that there was something truthful and something gracious about the character of who Jesus was whenever he lived on this earth, and certainly in the things that he said. When we think about who Jesus was and the grace and truth that, that came through him, 
it was more than just the miracles that he performed. We know there was a lot of grace and a lot of truth in those things. But it was also in the way that he spoke, the way that he talked to other people. And if we want to be like Jesus, then we also, even though we have different personalities, uh, we have different ways of conversing with people, if we want to be like Jesus, then truth needs to characterize our conversation and grace needs to characterize the tone in which we talk to and which we talk about other people. Um, in fact, I would, I would say that this is one of the most telling things, our speech is one of the most telling things about our character and, and about who we are. I mean, after all, that's, that's why we teach our teenagers and our young kids, that's why we teach them not to cuss, right? Because there's something about character that, that represents. It's, it's why we teach our young people that there's certain things that are inappropriate to talk about. Right, teenagers? Right? Y'all with me? Y'all awake, aren't you? There's certain things that are inappropriate to talk about. Certain things that we shouldn't talk to each other about. Um, and the, we, we do this because we, we want to have a lifestyle, a character of godliness we don't want to gossip about people, but we want the contents of our speech to be godly, to be truthful, but also to be gracious. And how we talk defines our relationship with God, and it sets the tone for our relationship with other people. Um, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible tells us to do everything in the name of Jesus. In other words, everything that we do and everything that we say... We need to do it in the name of Jesus. That means just like Jesus would do it. That means if you're in a situation that you would say what Jesus would say in that situation, that's the way you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. You do it on behalf of Jesus. If I tell you to go say something or speak something on my behalf, you're doing it in my name. And that's what we're supposed to, in word and also in deed, we're to do things in the name of Jesus. We're supposed to be like Him. And here's the reality. Truthful speech enhances our relationship with God. Truthful speech brings us closer to Him. Look, and I, I could show you a lot of different passages, but look at Psalm chapter 15, verse 1 through 3. It says, Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Now, I know that you don't sojourn in tents, except for those of you who go camping every now and then. Uh, who shall dwell on your holy hill? This has to do with the temple of God, where God's presence was. Let me, let, let me, just, let me just ask those two questions in, 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 I guess, language you can understand. Lord, who can be close to you? God, who can be near to you? That's what the Bible's saying. Who, who is it that, that can be close to you and near to you? And it says, he whose walk is blameless, that's what he does. And he who speaks the truth in his heart. That's his thoughts, his feelings, his emotions, his words. Who speaks the truth in his heart. And also, who does not slander, doesn't lie doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do that to his neighbor. The Bible, in, in several places, talks about this, that this is one of the ways that we can be close to God. Never, not one time. Think about this. 
Not one time did Jesus ever say anything that was a lie or that was a slander, a slur to anyone. He, he never ever had any type of evil that backed up in his heart that was a lie or that was somehow malicious or even an emotion that was wronged or a motivation or an intent inside of him that was evil towards another. Never, not one time. No one time. He, in other words, he always spoke the truth in his heart. Now, some of us have gotten good at restraining all of that stuff in our heart, right? Some of you are good at not posting certain comments or certain things on Facebook. Now, some of you aren't. You just go, and you just get it all out, right? And the rest of us just watch the train wreck that happens after that. Um, but as, as, as social media becomes more and more prevalent, we learn to become more and more restrained. Now, be honest. How many of you have let your thumbs do the walking? And man, you, you typed out that big, long, just inside of you. And you're like, man, I can't post that. <laughs> and you just deleted it. Come on now. I wonder how many of you done it. Let me, let me tell you what. I cannot tell you how many posts my wife has said, you can't post that. I'm like, oh, man, really? It's like, no, you can absolutely cannot post that. Um, we have this stuff backing up in our heart all the time. This negativity that we feel about, about others or about the world or, or about God. Just these opinions, it's just negative thoughts and feelings and emotions that just gets pent up inside of us. And before long, it just goes pop. And it comes, it comes right out of our mouth. That Jesus, Jesus wasn't like that. He had a purity inside of himself at the emotional and mental level. And that's what God wants for us. That's what we want to be like Jesus in this way. And if you're like me, you're thinking, oh man, when you, when you tell me not to lie, okay, I can do that. When you tell me not to talk about others, it's really difficult, but I can try real hard. But man, Pastor Scott, when you tell me that God wants me to speak the truth in my heart, that I can't even, I can't even, I can't even talk to myself that, in, in, in that type of way about that person that just really drives me crazy. That God desires truth in the inner parts inside of me. Oh my goodness, that makes it, that makes it so much difficult. Where do I even start? Here's a great place. Start with the words that you say in prayer. Start with prayer. Start with how you talk to God and the words that you use with God. Start with how you talk about yourself when you talk to God. That can mean that you acknowledge your brokenness, that you have sin inside of you. If there's one place that we need to get honest, it's in the prayer closet. It would be inappropriate for some of you to stand up here and grab a microphone and confess your sin to everybody. Or maybe even to your life group. Um, but there's always an opportunity for us to be open and honest with God. Lord, I'm broken. I have sin in my life. You see it, I might as well say it. And sometimes we need to get honest with God about how God feels about us. Lord, I know you love me. 
I have this self-talk inside of me that says nobody loves me and I'm not valuable. But you know what, God? I'm going to speak the truth about me to you. You love me. You created me. And I'm valuable. See, we're speaking the truth in our heart. We're using our words and we're saying it in prayer to God. You can do this about others whenever you talk to God. See, when you pray for that person that you don't like, don't ask God to kill them. Don't do that. You take those feelings and say, Lord, I have all that junk inside of me and I don't want it there. Lord, would you take it from me? And then, oh, by the way, God, would you bless, would you spiritually bless that person that hurt me so deeply? Because, Lord, that's what you tell me to do in your word. You tell me to pray for those who abuse me and to, to bless those that curse me and those that spitefully abuse me. You tell me to pray for them. So I'm going to pray for them, Lord. I'm going to ask you to bless them and to show them your favor. That's one week we could practice that. You practice doing that with God? And guess what? Your conversations with other people about other people, all of a sudden... They, be, they can become more pure. God wants you to pray truth about Him in general. Just take His Word. Some of you say, well, I don't know how to pray. Just take God's Word and, word and just pray God's truth back to Him. He loves hearing His truth. You, we can practice saying words that are true about this world that God created. You know, it's so easy to watch our favorite news source and turn it off and then turn back to our friend and say, this old world, oh, can you believe it? Rah, 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 rah. But man, I wonder if we would talk and feel and think differently about this world around us if we talked to the Creator who made this world and we said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to view this world around me from your perspective and not from the perspective that I get from every news source around me. You see, praying people, my point is, praying people end up being truth-speaking people. And you might even find that as you're talking to people that you're praying at the same time. Have you, ever, have, have, you ever, have you ever noticed that there's something about prayer that's linked to truth, but there's also something about prayer that's linked to grace? You see, it's not just truthful speech. It's not just truthful speech we're after. So uh, I have heard people say this before. I've heard people say, I have the spiritual gift of prophecy, which means I just tell it like it is, and I don't care how anybody feels about it. I just, I just tell them like it is. I got the gift of prophecy. No, you have the gift of rudeness, and it does not come from the Lord. You have the gift of rudeness. You have the gift of meanness, and it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't come from the Lord because it's not just truth. You see, truth without grace is like taking a machine gun and spraying bullets indiscriminately. We don't just, we don't just want truth. That's, that's legalism. We don't want to bludgeon people. No, we want to have truth and grace, just like Jesus did. That's why Paul said, speak the truth in love. You see, gracious speech gives us the tone of Christ. Tone communicates a whole lot more than words. Just ask your spouse. Ask your spouse. They'll tell you. If, if you communicate words with disgust or harshness or contempt, it doesn't really matter what you say. Your tone says everything. The, the, the tone says everything. Your words don't matter when, when, the, when the tone is like that. But 
if your tone is kind and compassionate and empathetic and loving, that also communicates. The words at that point are almost insignificant when the tone is that way. I want you, you so, so take some time to read Jesus' words in the New Testament and look at what he spoke and recognize it as true. And then imagine the tone that Jesus used whenever he spoke to people. Now, I know that in, when we read written words, it's hard to imagine emotion and tone when we read words. That's why we should just praise the Lord that he has given us emojis for our text messages, right? I mean, because we can take those emojis and we can attach it to our words. Let me tell you, listen, there's one person in here that absolutely loves emojis. Our executive pastor, Lee Bailey, he loves when you text him and use emojis. Now, I'm bearing false witness, uh, and y'all should probably know that. Um, but th the truth is, one of the ways that we, like, we might say something mean in a text, and then we try to put a little smiley face emoji on it, and there's something about that that, that just actually doesn't work. But y'all please send Lee Bailey a lot of uh, emojis anytime that you text him. He will absolutely love it. But when you read Jesus' words in the New Testament, there's no emojis that are in there. But I think you can imagine the tone I think, that if, I think that if you read it, and if you read the situation, and you read it in context, and I'm, like I said, I'm reading through Luke right now, and I can't find anywhere where Jesus' tone was mean and harsh and negative, except for whenever he spoke to uppity religious men, the, the scribes and the Pharisees. That is the only time that we see this, that we see this bite that Jesus has whenever he speaks. And, and those guys kind of deserved it. Now listen, don't, don't stick Pharisee on the person that you want to be mean to. Please don't do that. Uh, that's one way that Christians, well, they act a Pharisee, so now I can kind of peck at them. No, don't do that. Um, let, let Jesus work it out. But even in the Old Testament, we see that God is gracious and kind. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. Jesus, and this is what I find amazing about Jesus. He did not speak harshly and critically when he saw flaws and failings in other people. Like the woman at the well, or Zacchaeus, or, or, or Matthew the tax collector, or, or Peter. I mean, I think about all these people, or Mary Magdalene, or uh, this woman who might have been Mary Magdalene, who was, was crying on his feet. And what, he, he, never, he never spoke harshly to them. He, he never saw flaws in them and was condescending and critical. We, we never see that about Jesus. Now, we see that as a picture of Satan. Ha! You know, I saw that. Oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, can you, can you see that? We see that as Satan, as the accuser of the brethren, wanting to, wanting to, to, to hurt people whenever he fly, finds these flaws and these, and these failings. But that's not the picture that we get of Jesus. Do you know that right now, Jesus is interceding and advocating for you, even whenever you sin. Your worst failing, your worst flaw, if you belong to Christ, the worst thing that you've ever done, God saw it, and Jesus said, I got him. I died on the cross for him. 
I spilled my blood for him. I got nails in my hands and my feet, and I had blood coming out of my side, and I died for that sin that that guy just committed. For that thing that he just said, or that thought that he just had, or that emotion that just, that just flowed through him, or those words that he spoke, or those bad things that he did, Jesus saw, God saw those flaws and those failings, and Jesus said, you know what, I died for him. He is interceding, that's what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. He says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin... We have an expert attorney. We have an advocate. We, some, we have someone who speaks to the Father on our behalf. You see, people with a negative heart, they're, they're, they're drawn towards those flaws in others so they can point them out and condemn and they can tell other people how bad they are. That's the picture that we have on earth. On earth, it's the picture of the person that thinks they're righteous points out and condemns the person that they believe is unrighteous. But in heaven, we see the person who is truly righteous looking at the flaws and the failings of other people and defending them before God. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news that we have a defender? We have someone that speaks to the Father on our behalf? You see, what we say and how we say it is a reflection of our true character. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Words reflect character. Tone, emotions, all that stuff on the inside reflects character. And the point is not to just get to the point to where you can say the right things or not say the wrong things. To train ourselves like a dog to bark or to sit or to sit down or to speak or to be silent or to roll over. The point is not to, not to train our speech so that we can be experts at not saying the most offensive things and saying the right things at the right spot. The point is the heart. The point is the heart and the mind to where we don't want to have any lie inside of us. We don't want to have any, we, we want to be on the inside like Jesus is so that we can say things on the outside that are legitimate and legitimately and truly trying to build other people up. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion. Because look at, look at, look at what happens here. It gives grace. Do you know that your words can be a channel of grace to other people? The things that you say can minister to people. Your emotions, your attitude, your tone, as well as the things that you say, can actually cause God's grace to fall upon people whenever you say them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm not talking about preaching. I'm not talking about teaching. I'm talking about conversation. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about interacting with the people that you love or maybe even strangers walking down the roads. And if you want to practice, if you want to practice this, Practice it in prayer. 
Practice it in prayer as we, as, 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 as we talk to God. I don't know about you, but whenever I look, whenever I look at this message, man, I, I can start feeling guilty really, really fast about things that I've said or things that I've thought or emotions that swirl around me or truth that's, that, 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 that's, that's inside of me or, or falsehood that's inside of me. It's not truth. I, I, I start thinking about it at that level that my words, the things that I say or the things that I don't say, somehow reflect what is deeply in my heart and in my character, man, now I, it almost feels impossible. It almost feels impossible to, to do what the Bible tells me to do. And guess what? It, it is. You have to have Jesus. You have to have Jesus in your life. If you don't, if you don't have Jesus in your life, you will never measure up to this. If you walk out the door saying, I'm, I'm going to be more truthful, I'm going to try hard, I'm going to be... It's not going to work. You need Christ in your life. So let's take time to pray. Let's take time to pray like we do at the end of every service. Bow our heads and let's close our eyes. And I want you to take time to pray. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, the most most truthful and the most grace-filled message you will ever hear is the gospel. The most truthful And the most grace-filled message you can possibly hear. The most truthful, the most grace-filled message that has ever been spoken, that has ever been written, that has ever been given to man is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you're a sinner, but that Jesus died in your place. You can't find any greater truth. You can't find any more dispenser, stronger dispenser of grace than the gospel. And I wonder today if it's just never hit you. It's just, it's just never hit you. And you need the Holy Spirit right now to do a work in your life. And you need to be saved. You need to call on Jesus right now. I want you to think about what Jesus did for you. I promise you, Jesus said He is the way, He is the truth. You won't find truth outside of Him. You won't find truth outside of what He did on that cross. All truth is defined by that. You want grace, you want love. There's only one source. What Jesus did on that cross is the only place where you can find the grace of God. Would you turn to Him in faith today? Would you ask Him to save you? Maybe you're in a different place today. Maybe you know you're saved. Oh, but you've been having problems You've been having problems with your tongue. You've been saying things that you shouldn't say. You've been feeling things that you shouldn't feel. You've been thinking things that you shouldn't. Maybe you would say, oh, this whole thing about tone, this whole thing about truth in the inner inner parts, feeling the right way and thinking the right way, not just saying the right thing, all that really got. Maybe you need to pray about that today. You spend a few moments praying whatever is on your heart to the Lord. Then Andy's going to lead us in a song.